And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So if you're not learning, you're probably getting worse at whatever it is that you do. That could be personal, professional, physical. But today we're going to talk about professional development training and how to keep you, your staff, those around you moving forward. Now, I personally am someone who prides myself when it comes to my leadership role at trying to help people get the maximum out of themselves and also help them get what they want. We're going to talk about that and more today. Before I get into who I'm having today's conversation with, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's my business, everyone. And if you want to learn more about what we do, go to Fullscale.io. We can help your tech company build the software team that you want and can afford. With me today, I've got Dell Lampkin. Dell is the founder of Harbinger Horizon. You can go to harbingerhorizon.com. Now, there's a link for that in the show notes that makes it even easier to get it. So once you go ahead and scroll on down there now so you can see a little bit more about what they do and how some context for the episode. Uh, straight. So without further ado, straight out of Gardena, California, Dell, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, I, I love this topic. So, uh, you know, as, as I usually do, let's go ahead and begin with uh, my question of, you know, what's your backstory and what brought you to, you know, us today? Yeah, so um, pretty much my backstory, it goes a little bit further than just my business. Um, I'm someone who grew up in South Los Angeles, uh, right in the heart of what some people call South Central. And, uh, uh, you know, growing up there, some very challenging times, uh, you know, living in a world of crime, poverty, um, you know, low economic status, single mom raising three kids. And um, one of the things I've always wanted to do was just provide service to others. And so I actually started off working in law enforcement. Um, I still do work in law enforcement, a 20-year veteran working in city government with about 16 years of experience working as a sworn peace officer. But, you know, for me, working in law enforcement, that wasn't good enough. Um, there's only, you know, certain, there's only certain limitations to how you can provide service to others. So, you know, about six years ago, I started my, my business, Harbinger Horizon, and uh, we talk about uh, it's a professional development solution uh, for different businesses and organizations um, and even for individuals um, who are just looking to, you know, gain some higher ground in life uh, or, as I say, rise above stability. And uh, we focus on things like um, uh, workplace harassment prevention training. Uh, we talk about team building concepts, stress management. Uh, one of the hot topics were, that I've been immersing myself in lately is cultural diversity and how do we um, uh, uh have these conversations, uh, inclusive conversations about what makes us different, but at the same time, what brings us all together? Because there's a lot more things we have in common than, than not. Um, other than that, we talk about, uh, you know, professional development topics, leadership topics. And so it's been an amazing experience uh, being able to immerse myself in different organizations, different um, households, different uh, cultural, different cultures. 
So um, something I've, I've been enjoying the last six years on top of the fact that I get to still provide service in law enforcement. So when it comes to professional development, and I understand law enforcement is a profession, yeah. but that's a little different than my profession. I don't, I don't carry a weapon. I don't have a badge. I feel on some days that maybe I should, um, because you're, you're often diffusing situations and stuff like that. But how do you carry, what do you, when you talk about carrying the law enforcement profession over to like the, the white collar type profession, like where do the, where do the carryovers go? Like what's important to bring from one side to the other? Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate that question. So like when we talk about working in law enforcement and, and fusing it together with professional development, you know, people are calling you in law enforcement. They're calling 911 because they're having their worst day. You know, these are uh, moments where uh, people have exhausted all options and rather that may be having a dispute with your neighbor or perhaps, uh, you know, possibly losing a loved one. They're calling you because they're having their worst day. And yeah, there's a specific role that law enforcement plays in responding to that. And it's essentially solving a crime. We do have our opportunities to console people, opportunities to, um, you know, try to piece back together, at least in that quick moment, try to piece back together uh, someone's uh, life. Um, but it's only a short moment. Um, where that relates to professional development is, you know, when someone's going through tragedy, that's not the only time someone calls. Um, uh, you know, or is in need of help. Um, in this particular case, different organizations, different businesses, different individuals are trying to figure out some challenges that they're having within their organization. Um, they're having issues with um, employee retention. They may be having issues uh, with uh, things like, um, uh, you know, employees that are engaging in some type of discriminatory behavior or abusive conduct, or they're trying to figure out how do we bring our teams together well, that's another call to 911, right? Not necessarily 911, but you know, these, these employers are reaching out to consultants. They're reaching out to uh, experts, trying to figure out how can they uh, bring people back together in their organizations. And that's where I come in, um, uh, focused on doing team building projects, having team building discussions, or having um, discussions about you know, certain things that are related to equal opportunity employment law. Um, just to keep the organization grounded. And in the process, we're building stronger leaders within the organization, which as a result of building stronger leaders, we're building stronger organizations. And it always starts with the individual. It always starts with each uh, with with a single person within the organization. So that's how we bridge that nexus. It's that um, that first responder uh, to an organization. Well, much like uh, a moment in law enforcement or, you know, life outside of work, you, in the same way you can inside a company, you can implode your reality by taking a bad situation, making it worse, making it even worse. It's kind of like, you know, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and, um, you know, the, the, the logic when they're upset is absent. And, you know, there's, there's been a few things and I, you know, as, as far as like professional or personal development, I've given a lot of speeches related to my book, Balance Me. That's a realist guide to a successful life. And I think oftentimes people, they ruin their own everything, uh, sometimes unknowingly. Sometimes it's a, a small collection of little things. You like, you look at the person that can't make it on time to work. 
Um, yeah. They might be great when they get there, but they're late every day. And like, that's usually not the person that gets the promotion and gets the raise. So sometimes it's like a collection of like little pebbles that piled up enough, turn into a big mound or a mountain. And then sometimes it's just, just a true meltdown. Um, you know, I, I mentioned before we, uh, our longtime listeners might not know this about me when I was in my early twenties. So I was, I, I was a bouncer at a bar for four years <laughs> and I worked at a couple of different ones in a small little town of Durango, Colorado. And I, I mentioned to you that I learned more about dealing with people at that job than anything else. Cause not only were they off, they were often drunk, angry, and confused at sometimes. So like when it comes to dealing with people at their worst moments or any of that, like, so in the professional side of things, you got people that they're upset with coworkers, they're upset with clients, they're upset with you. Like what's the first key to dealing with someone in that, in that, when they're in that situation? Well, you know, one of I, 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 I'm glad you asked that question. A lot of times it has a lot to do with not necessarily addressing the external, but addressing the internal. Um, we recognize that everyone has different cultural differences in how they deal with trauma or how they deal with stress. Um, that, that could be something that's related to someone's national origin or maybe their ethnicity or maybe, um, maybe regional culture, um, you know, how you would you know, talk to someone in, a, in an urban setting would be a little bit different than maybe a rural setting. Um, the internal part of it is, is recognizing that, A, you may not have all the answers. I know that's a tough thing to say, and I know that that's something that's hard to hear for, uh, uh, for some people, but you don't always have the answers when you, when you answer a call for service. And so one of the things we have to do is, A, balance our attitude. We have to balance, um, as you probably are aware, working as a bouncer, we have to balance our attitude and keep our attitudes in check. But also uh, in trying to resolve an issue, you may have to collaborate with the person that's asking you to, uh, for help, um, asking them about, hey, so how do you how you know, how can I help you deal with this situation? Um, I mean, I don't <laughs> I, I wouldn't maybe suggest that to uh, someone who is drunk and belligerent. But if you can provide service by asking them, hey, do you is there someone I can call to get you into a car to, you know, get you home tonight? Uh, you know, these are, these are different. This is just a very simple question that you can ask to resolve what could potentially explode to a huge issue. Um, I know you mentioned like you have a, you have a five-year-old and, and I, I think about that. And I think that, you know, what I do is, is very similar to how we address our children. Um, you know, we, we, in our organizations, we think that the easiest thing to do or the fastest or best way to resolve an, a, an issue with an employee is just to get rid of them, right? <laughs> but, but I mean, you can attest to this, you can't get rid of your five-year-old, can you? <laughs> you, know? you can't just say, hey, you know, these things aren't working out. And uh, as a result, that we, if we treat our um, employees like they are our children, if we treat our subordinates like our children, we, we, we learn to essentially work with them. Uh, we try to figure out, you know, what are their needs? Why are they feeling the way that they're feeling. I don't know if you want to, if you can expand on that a little bit. I mean, what do you think as far as like how you would deal with your employees in, in general? Well, a few things. So, and I get into this and, and, and balance me. Um, so you mentioned cultural and different kinds of differences that people have the, the, regardless of where that, the, where they're from. One thing that is known is that we all have a different personality type. Yeah. And regardless of what that personality type is, our worst qualities show when we're under stress or when we're worn out. 
So when you're tired or under stressed, your worst qualities come out. So uh, there's a way to handle the differences of, of that. So like psychologically, when you, you certain people just respond to things different ways. So like, you know, and I, I refer to this as just the simple way of is some people need to be pushed and some people need to be pulled. And, and in some cases, some people just need to stop, you know, like, Hey, chill out. And I know from, a, and, and I know that that's a, a common approach for a lot of police officers. It's like, you get there, things are heated and you're like, Hey, let's, all, let's see if we can take this down a little, you know, cause, and one thing that never really works out is, is responding to the stress with something else. That's a stressor. Like now, sometimes that's the thing is you can tell people to chill out and they don't. So like, you're kind of pulling them along when you're like, Hey, let's calm down a little bit. You're pulling them, you know, then, then you get to the point where you might have to push. You might have to be like, Hey, all right. You know, you get a little louder, you get a little more. Now I, I have a different, you know, some of this too is I think also, uh, in-person situations and virtual are different. Um, you know, so I'm a big kid. I'm, you know, six, three, six, four. I used to be six, four and I swear I'm shrinking. I'm not as tall <laughs> as I used to be. I'm like six, three and a half now, you know, 250 plus pounds. And so with that, I've also had to learn that, that I can be imposing physically because I have a big, loud voice. I'm a big, tall person. And sometimes that's not always a good thing. And sometimes it is too, because sometimes you're like, Hey, chill out, you know, and they, and people kind of like, I don't know, there's a different kind of an alpha effect there, but overall, like, you know, that's the thing is I think there's a, you know, for, for me, when it comes to dealing with people on a, on a day by day basis and with the development, you talk about professional development. Well, understand, I think it's begins on many days with understanding what people actually react to and what they're okay with and what they're not. Like my wife is, is, is by nature an introverted person. So if I want to basically sell her on an idea or what we want to do, I have to present that different than I would someone with my same personality type. So, you know, and then, you know, that's always the thing is, you know, that, I mean, you can really, heated situations can get out of control in a hurry. I mean, that's, and, and you know what, at the same time, they're not always a bad situation because, you know, we talk in the world of startups and business, we talk a lot about disruption well, disruption is friction. And it's, you know, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you do have to break things to put them back together. It's just about how to do that in a way that, you know, that's, that's, uh, healthy and productive. So uh, yeah, I, a, a question, a question, for, did you have a response? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, you know, I, what's important to note and in, in, in highlight and all that is it's the fact that each individual or each, in, yeah, each individual situation is different and we have to adapt in those different moments. Um, you know, as long as we are treating people professionally and sometimes, you know, when it comes to treating people professionally, you do have to kind of set the tone when someone's upset or irate. But then there's other times where if you just sit there and you're just quiet and you let people have their say, sometimes that's another way in which we diffuse th- certain situations. Some people just want to be heard, you know, yeah. and, and when you give them that moment to be heard, it starts to develop a, a little bit of trust because they recognize that maybe this person isn't here just to arrest me. Maybe this person isn't here uh, um, uh, just to stop my behavior and and get rid of me. In other words, we're talking about putting someone in handcuffs and, and moving them on to the jail. It's, it's not sometimes when you show up, you're, you have to be a mediator. And what we find out is the way things look when we first arrive, it could be chaotic. Um, that's not actually what it, that's not actually what it is. Um, it's just, you know, a person that's very upset, 
maybe they've had a series of things going on in their life that I would never be able to understand. But then there's other times where I may be able to understand and be able to empathize with that person. When you're demonstrating that empathy, you start to form a, uh, a, a bit of trust. And I think that trust is one of the key tenets of exercising leadership. Anywhere you go, when you can develop trust with someone, that is, that's key. Um, you know, trusting your, uh, when you build trust as an individual working in law enforcement or any profession, um, people not only trust you as an individual, but they trust the entire organization. They, they trust the entire profession. And, every, and, he, and in each of every one of those moments, uh, you have an opportunity to really um, change someone's outlook and how they see who you are as an individual and also how they see the um, uh, law enforcement profession. Yeah, so I, I talk a lot. Uh, I recently, have been keen on the a culture of honesty and inside a, a business. I think that's an important thing. So that that honesty culture mean, and that has to start from the top down. So, you know, I try to be the first person at at our office. So I have a, a different challenge. So most of my employees are in the Philippines. So I've got two hundred and forty employees over there, and then we have. We're in Kansas City where we've got five. So I've got two different worlds to, to co-mingle and to deal with and honest two fully different cultures, like very, very different, um, both with personality approach and a lot of stuff. But the culture of honesty begins, has to start from the top down. And that means as a leader, you have to be ready and willing and able to say, hey, man, I messed this up. I've done a terrible job. Like we just did that here because I've been, you know, my company grew so quickly that the, you know, and so I, we are a a culture first organization, but that honesty has to come from the leader. Like you, you have to say, Hey, I've done a terrible job at some of this stuff. And that maybe that's why I hired this person or you or whatever, and all the way down the line. But the, the, the reason that that's important is because if you're not willing to take responsibility and accountability for your success or failure, well, you're not, you're not, you're not that developed. Yeah. Just meaning like you gotta, you know, and that's the, you know, you see athletes do this a lot in post-game interviews or whatever. They're like, Hey, I had the shot and I missed it. You know, it's, that's, it's, uh, it's that simple. So some, you know, that's taken, taken, responsibility for it. Uh, one thing I, I know that is the opposite of that is, is establishing a culture of blame. You know, and I say that a lot. I'm like, we're not trying to blame anyone for the failure. In the end, people do have to take responsibility for it. But if you find the culture inside your, your, if you find the development of, of your professional culture is all about blaming people. So blaming is a source of anger and, and it reflects anger. I mean, if I'm blaming you for something, that's a, that's not a, that's not a, a can do kind of thing. Now, in the end, I'm also, you know, this actually jives pretty well with, with law enforcement. So I'm a big believer in, uh, in extreme ownership. And there's a, you know, that's been a, a popular book and subject. There's a couple of Navy SEALs that, that put that out and, you know, the thing is, is really in, book the end, in my background here. Yeah. Well, so you, you know, and here's the thing, you don't have to get very far into it. Like yeah. most, here's the thing is that's not a, a super broad concept. Most of that book is like stories and like reality yeah. of it. But the thing is, it's like really in the end, there's no, there's no bad teams. There's just bad leaders. And, yeah. and so and, eventually, and, 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 
that's the culture of honesty though. Cause yeah. I mean, the team, the team can fail and fail and fail. And now eventually you get to the point where as the leader that, that has to swim back upstream to you. And that's that, that culture of honesty that you have to have with yourself and other people. And I mean, I'd rather have my employees come up and, and say, Hey, we failed. We need to do better next time. This is how we're going to do it. Then just be like, blaming everyone else all the way downstream, which by the way is what happens when you have the opposite of that culture or when you have the wrong people in general. Yeah. And, and not only that, you know, when you have this um, organizational behavior of blame, people aren't willing to be as open and honest amongst each other, amongst the peers, especially when the leadership at the top um, uh, has a, a mentality of blaming their subordinates for why the organization's failing. Um, but what ends up happening with this is we start to develop a organization that uh, engages in negative gossip. Um, we have an organization that starts to develop in uh, develop um, essentially a very toxic organization built on um, what's the term I'm looking for here? Um, uh, a hostile work environment uh, where where people do not feel comfortable communicating with one another. Um, when, when we see this 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 uh, negative behaviors occurring, when we see these things occurring, this toxicity, this hostile work environment, employees tend to create subcultures within the organization. Uh, they start, and most commonly we refer to those as cliques. Um, you have this group of employees who aren't willing to talk to this group of employees, and now you don't have people working together. Um, they, they start to work in factions, and usually when you have them working in those factions, those uh, their own core values, their individual core values, because we all come in with our own core values, they usually aren't aligned with the organization's overall core values. And then that's when you start seeing the harassment occurring, the discrimination, the abusive conduct. Uh, these are things that not only do we need to talk about as an organization because it's mandatory for many states in the United States, but it's something that we need to have a conversation about to maintain the cohesiveness in the workplace, reminding each other through just general discussions about, you know, how we're supposed to treat one another. Uh, I'm a firm believer that if we're not taking care of the people within the organization, if we're not having these conversations, reminding our employees of the expected cultural behavior, um, we can't possibly go out into the streets. We can't possibly go out into our communities. We can't possibly go to our constituents and tell them to treat, we should be treating each other with kindness and respect and professionalism. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges in not just law enforcement, but in, in, in every organization. What is, the, what is the culture that we're building within the organization? And does that culture reflect the type of, um, the, the type of personalities, the type of um, relationships that we are building with our community members. Um, I mean, we could get further into that as far as like this buzzword that we commonly hear uh, or a phrase, corporate responsibility or corporate social responsibility, things like that. But it's this ideal of we need to keep checking one another in our organization. And by checking one another, it's checking in. Checking each other is checking in. Uh, when someone's engaging in that type of behavior, say something, you know. Uh, when nothing's occurring, check back in with your employees and, and just remind them of the expectations of how we treat one another in the workplace. Um, it, how do you, how do you balance that with, uh, I know you said that in the, you know, you, most of your 
um, employees are in the Philippines. And, and, I know, and like you said, they're dealing with their own challenges. I mean, just the simple, simple things like weather. You know, we don't have to deal with typhoons here. They do. We just you did know? it. We just had a super <laughs> typhoon that, um, you know, I actually published a video about that on the Startup Hustle TV channel. I don't know if you, you might have seen that. Is that why you're mentioning it? Yes, I have. And, and, yeah. it's, and it's so, yeah. um, it was amazing. That's, a, that's a power, that's a powerful video, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it, it doesn't have like millions of views or anything, but we put that out there to, you know, the mission of startup hustles to tell the real story of entrepreneurship. And I want to get into that, but as a quick reminder with me today, I've got Dell Lampkin and Dell's the founder of Harbinger Horizon. You can go to harbingerhorizon.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. And before we continue our conversation, another reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, yeah, like you mentioned that that video. So you know that was man, that was that whole situation uh, was kind of a surprise because as I mentioned, uh, we'll put a link to that and and the in the show notes as well. Um, but that you know that video is titled "How a Super Typhoon Affected Our Business." And then here's the thing: is the very first thing I say in that video, which is this is an account of us and them and there and like how that whole thing. So it's not uncommon for a typhoon to hit the Philippines. They get a couple dozen of them a year. This one just wound up especially well, and then hit our main location like a bullseye, like in the center of the bullseye. And it caused a lot of disruption. And, you know, with that, I was actually with my business partner last night, just kind of catching up on some stuff. And, and you know, he asked me a question about that. And he's not as, as involved in the business as I am, but he asked about the typhoon. And I said, you know, I think I'll look back at that as I continue down my timeline as a leader. And I will, I will consider that some of my Hall of Fame moments. Uh, just meaning like there was like, it went from like one day, like we were having a Christmas party here in Kansas city to the next. And we knew a typhoon was coming. I just didn't realize I, I honestly was a little, I was unprepared for that. So then all of a sudden the next day, it's like, Hey, this is really, really bad. And the things that we had to go through, like you have to, you have to be prepared for that and, and leadership. And like, so, I mean, the first thing we did is the next day we sent $40,000 cash over. And we, because from what we've learned in the past is that creates a lot of problems. Like, for example, imagine what it would be like in LA or Kansas City or anywhere yeah. if suddenly you had no internet, no electricity and no clean water. And so like you, simple things like being able to go to the store, you can't go to the store because the stores, because uh, you, you probably don't have cash because a lot of people don't. They have only a card. Well, the card reader runs on the internet. Right. It yeah. runs on electricity. And yeah. so like things like our mattress ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, you know, you look at, at other stuff and then there's also like a big rush similar to like when COVID hit and everyone ran out of toilet paper. So the supply chain isn't necessarily prepared to do a lot of that stuff, but none of that. So there was the immediate, so that was a Friday. So immediately I'm talking to some of our leaders there and I'm saying, Hey, you guys need to go in every direction you can and you need to acquire water, food, any of the things you can because you need to expect. At, so everyone at our company has been working remote. So they haven't been coming to the office every day. We have a huge office. We get 10,000 square feet of, of space. And I said, you need to be prepared for everybody to show up on Monday morning. And they did. 
and they certainly did. But, you know, but, but with that, you also have to like, look at the empathetic side of things. Like everything else about the business doesn't matter. Let's make sure people are okay first. Right. So, and it took us, as I mentioned in the video, it took seven full days to account for all of our employees. Now we had 220 at the time. So I got 20 more now than I did a month ago, but you know, you just look at that and like the gravity of that and, and how do you handle that? And, you know, we had to really think it out. We had to do things like I issued uh, some, so you keep knowing that no one had effective bandwidth, you can't necessarily do things that you might normally do online or whatever, but uh, use some like really like low bandwidth kind of survey forms to collect info. And just like the first question is, are you okay? You know, second question was, was, uh, uh, are you in a safe place? You know, so are you okay? And are you in a safe place? Third question is, do you feel that, do you feel that you're going to be in a situation where you're not going to have a home to stay in any time in the next 30 days? Those are the first three questions you got to lead with everything else past that. You know, so unfortunately we had a, a fairly decent list of people that answered in the negative on one of those three questions. So we had to relocate some families and do some other stuff. And it was, I mean, it was chaotic. And then, you know, really we're able to first off making sure everything was okay. But with that, you know, that, that culture of honesty needs to come out like, you know, and like being honest about your situation where you're at. Cause when people need help, some people are, don't, aren't great at asking for it, you know, so, but there's a ton of a type personalities and, and, you know, it's, it's the bravado in some cultures, um, you know, where they don't want the help. Um, you know, that's common with just with people in general, because like asking for help isn't always inherent. And, you know, so yeah, but that, that whole thing was like the cultural differences too. There's like a big difference in the way that it needs to be handled. Um, certain things like, so, you know, Philippines is, we can could say Asian culture. I know that's a really broad map over there for that, but there's just different approach patterns in different ways. Like, so I used to work for a Japanese company and that culture was a lot different than, um, than, than the Philippines. So in, uh, in Japanese culture, you'll be in the boardroom and like, if someone says something dumb, like here, you kind of skip past it or you just kind of like, eh, you move on there. They'll literally be like, that's the dumbest comment I've ever heard. <laughs> Very straight. You're like, what? <laughs> you're like the first time I was exposed to that. I was like, holy shit. Like, wow. We can say that to people. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe you can, and maybe you can't, but you know, it's like a different thing. And like, I remember it as I worked at that company, that was a long time ago at this point, but they were, they were amazed So Japan, their culture was changing because they went from like what they would often refer to as salary men that would, you would get a job at a company. And that's just where you worked. Like after college, like you'd be there for like 30 years and then it was really changing. So, I mean, and then, uh, you know, a lot of other things too, it's just like, you know, you got You have to be sensitive to the way you address certain things because pointing someone out in front of a group of their peers, well, for lack of a better example, like kind of to make some people want to fall on the sword and, yeah. you know, and that's, and so, you know, we've had to address that in a lot of different ways and, you know, be different. Now, me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not a not saying something kind of guy. So that can be really great for some people. And some people, Dell, some people hate me because of that, but I'm not mean about it. 
I'm just honest and open. Well, and like, I, that's the I think same you were thing. probably happy to be in a Japanese culture for a short minute. Well, I was really young at that point. So I was like, honestly, I was, that was like when I was 30 and, you know, and that was the last job that I had that wasn't my own company. So it was, you know, I didn't, some of the, yeah, it was, it was interesting. So yeah. going, going back to that, that video, um, you know, about your employees in the Philippines, the reason why I highlighted that is because what you're seeing in that video is essentially a documentary of a, a, a pivot that's occurring. But the other thing is, is again, you're talking about these different challenges that people have. And in everything you just talked about, it's showing what we didn't, when we're demonstrating is a due concern for our employees. We're showing a due concern for the people that are, you know, at all levels within the company. I, I, I am, a, I, I like to believe that when the leadership is taking care of its employees, the employees have a tendency to take care of the customers a lot better. Um, the, 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 the most important aspect of that video was I saw a sense of community. Um, it talks totally. about how the employees were even willing to come back to work within that week. And the discussion I, I had, that eight, I had 18 people show up the right. day after the typhoon. Right. And I asked our manager, I was like, why are they there? Why are they, said, here? Well, they want, they want, right. Cause if all days to call in sick, that's one of them. Right. And they said, <laughs> and by the way, I'm giving all of them an award because, because first they all, they said I had it. I had something I needed to deliver to the client, our clients. I was yeah. like, I think they would have understood on that. That's at the, but still that's at the I, surface I, level. They, they're telling yeah, you all the answers. I mean, yeah. They're telling you all the answers at the surface level. I'm here because I have to do this. I have. They're. They're. It's a superficial stuff. But what you don't see or hear is what they're saying is is that I'm here because I know I'm in a place of safety. I'm here because I know that my employer cares about me. I'm here because at the moment I have nowhere else to go, but I know that I'm going to get support here. That's what yeah. you're not hearing from these employees. But that's that's what it is. That's yep. exactly what it is. And it all starts with the culture that we have created within the organization. So, and, and, then the right. last and, part and, and, the, and on the flip, on the flip side of that, if we didn't have that kind of culture, they would have been like, well, I, I was, a, I didn't want to come in unless I had permission. <laughs> no, man, yeah. no. So by the way, there were some things that were tough with that. Cause at the, you know, dealing with that situation and also COVID, Yes. <laughs> um, so like, so in the Philippines, they're a lot more, uh, it's fair to say militant about some of that. So, you know, all of a sudden we had to like find a balance and, you know, so we had this, like, it was, man, that was like, I often refer to entrepreneurs needing to be plate spinners. Like you have to run like the plates, someone's <laughs> spinning plate on an end of right. a stick, you know, and one wobbles, you got to run and spin it. You got to go spin another one. That was like an ultimate exercise in plate spinning. Cause we had employees, we had their families, we had clients. Um, and, you know, our clients were overwhelmingly, I mean, they were all, there was no one that objected to, they, they all empathized with the situation. In fact, they were asking how they could help. Uh, we ended up, we ended up uh, uh, raising between the money we sent over and then we did a fundraiser through the Startup Hustle chat community. If you're not a part of that, you can find it on Facebook. Just search Startup Hustle or Startup Hustle chat. Yeah, so we ended up get raising uh, or sending out between clients the money. So we sent 40 grand cash the next day. Like we say cash, we sent it over and we told the managers to go wait in line at the bank for however long it took. So we had cash at the office. 
because we didn't want to be like, hey, you know, the, the non-empathetic way was to just zip it into their bank account. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, not a smart okay, move. So now it's I got to wait in line for four hours. Right. So Which would be even more had, detrimental because now it creates yeah, a safety so, issue while they're in line. <laughs> right. Well, and honestly, it created a safety issue at the office that we had to talk about too, because we're, we're, I mean, we don't have that kind of money. Yeah. Now, if you talk about the difference in economics, that is essentially the buying power of having a quarter million dollars cash on hand here. I Meaning it's like six to one. That's like the difference in the cost of living and everything. And, and that's a lot of money. So like we had to also kind of think about that. We're like, do we, we shouldn't just send one person to go get this. Cause like, that's also not fair. Like to that person, like you don't want, I mean, that's, I don't know, like, well, A, you yeah. could run off with that money. I'm not, or, or there could be, you know, there's desperate people doing desperate things, but overall, like it was really kind of like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Dell, it's like, you got to show up and you got to assess the situation yes. and you gotta. And, and I, I feel like the law enforcement side of that thing, I would imagine that's the training that you get right away. It's like, you don't just show up and start shooting. Well, right. in some cases you in, might in have some, to. Yeah. There, there's some you times where you're, you're, you're pulling up to an active, you know, things yes. are happening rapidly evolving. Let's but move past that because that is what it is. Yeah. But, but in most situations, yeah. it's two people that are pissed off with someone or there's someone else that's distraught for some reason. So f figure out what's going on. Yeah. Because, you know, so, I mean, that's what we did. It was, well, I mean, honestly, it was a big exercise in um, and one thing I've, I've talked about regularly since then is the importance of being able to create and execute a contingency plan on a dime. So yeah, we learned, absolutely. so it was, it was a, two years ago in March of 2020 that we learned a lot about that. I was actually in the Philippines when COVID, from, I was in the Philippines for most of March of 2020. And that's when COVID really hit hard over there. And there, uh, two weeks on that side of the world, they were about two weeks ahead of where we were at. So you talk about, so a contingency plan is being planning for every, every direction that things can or could go. And, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, and with that, that means theoretically you might, you're probably making six, seven, eight plans, knowing that only one of them is actually going to be good. But the exercise with that is understanding when, where, and how you may do different things when they come up or arise. And I think that that plays well into the development of your professional culture as well, because if you haven't given any thought to things that could occur, now you mentioned certain things like you talk about discrimination, um, yeah. uh, you know, just, just things that aren't fair or shitty in the workplace. And like, I don't, ain't no one got time for that here. Like I will, I, you got to cut that out, like have no tolerance for that. But, you know, like overall, like, I mean, you know, we, we kind of shifted our topic here, which is fine. Like no, I feel I think, like we're talking we're more okay. about developing a culture of no, honesty, honesty I, or whatever, but I think we're okay because one of the things that, um, or some of the areas that I think that the listeners are, are learning is that when it comes to providing resources for your company, um, and this is something that I share in my business, it's great that you have resources, but do you know how to uh, 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 sufficiently and, and equitably um, uh, uh, essentially deliver those resources or um, you know, give those resources to your employees. It's not just dumping a, we use the example of cash here. It's not just by simply dumping a bunch of cash. It's making sure you're alloc allocating it the most effectively in the most effective way you can. 
But then the other thing that we are talking about that I think the listeners can really catch on to is we talked about this typhoon, we talked about COVID, and we're learning at this point, or we're asking ourselves, ourselves, how do we pivot uh, when we have these uh, unscheduled events occur? I know for myself, um, my business, I would say 99.9% of my business was going to a location and speaking to a audience and speaking to a group. Well, when COVID hit, everything shut down. So my business essentially, you know, was we, you know, it, it was, I had to ask the question of what do we do next? Because I can't go and do presentations. I can't stand in front of a bunch of people. It, 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 it professional development uh, facilitating was, I mean, essentially done, um, or at least for what most people, uh, for most people it was. For me, I went back to the drawing board and I said, okay, what can I do to stay in business? What can I do to stay afloat? Well, the first thing I did was marketing dramatically dropped as far as my expenditures and mar marketing. I actually use those resources and this is something that, you know, I hope that it, it, it can help someone that's probably uh, in the same uh, consulting or uh, same profession I'm in when it comes to profession, uh, professional development presentations. I dropped my marketing um, dramatically and invested that into building a studio to where I can now do virtual presentations. Uh, one of the things that I pride myself uh, myself on um, a lot in my business um, that sets me apart from a lot of other consultants, a lot of other professional development presenters, is a lot of my training is activity-based. Um, uh, I, I do a lot of activities with my clients uh, to that, that reaffirm um, some of the key objectives that we want to meet. I wasn't able to do that in person. So now I have to figure out how do I create activities virtually? Uh, what are some of the resources out there that exist to where I can actually still stay connected with my clientele? Um, there's a plenty of there's a pl uh, plenty of video conferencing systems and resources that are out there that I had to learn to use. I mean, like overnight, you know, you, you, and that's where I made that pivot. Um, you know, I had the internet, I still had a connection with my with my clients, and, and so that's that's where my pivot started. Yeah, and those pivots also, you know, we did that here even with the podcast because prior to COVID, it was always in person, and um, we had talked about you know, taking it virtual because we would have been able to reach so many more guests and have so many more people like you weren't going to be in Kansas City to record this. <laughs> right. um, so, you know, but it actually, you know, a lot of times these pivots result in in a healthy, uh, in a healthy, uh, uh, you know, move to something that makes a lot more sense. So once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was brought to you by Full Scale, helping you build a software company quickly and affordably. You can find us uh, more more info about Full Scale in the Startup Hustle chat group or on Facebook. You're really, the best place to do it is at fullscale.io. So uh, with that, it's time for the Founders Freestyle. That's how I like to end my episodes of Startup Hustle. I say my episodes. I'm not the only host of the show. Make sure you tune in weekly and join Andrew Morgans, the CEO and founder of Marknology, who's going to talk all about Amazon and e-commerce. Tune in with Lauren Conaway's weekly episode. Lauren is the founder of Innovate Her, who just got their 5,000th member. Congratulations on that, Lauren. And my startup hustle founder and business partner at Full Scale, Matt Watson, now has a weekly show. Make sure you tune into that. Matt's, we're letting Matt talk to, to the highly technical people because that's more of the language he speaks. But here we are at the, at the end of the show, Dell. And, you know, once again, 
uh, Del Lampkins, the founder of Harbinger Horizon. Go to harbingerhorizon.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. There's also a link to the Typhoon video if you want to watch that. I would recommend watching that for anyone listening uh, because I think we really demonstrated how we handled crisis and a lot of different stuff. And I, it's all, it's just interesting. I got a lot of good feedback on that video, but, but, you know, Dell, as we finish out the show, I mean, what are some key points or things that you want to say, didn't say, or maybe need to say? Yeah. I mean, um, essentially when it comes to uh, being an entrepreneur or being a business owner, uh, it's, it's an infinite game. It's, it's a long-term process. And with that process comes different challenges. Some of them are expected, some of them are definitely unexpected, but, you know, true leadership uh, is, again, about trusting uh, your constituent or trusting your subordinates, um, building that trust with your subordinates and, um, and, 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 and being able to face those challenges together. And as we've demonstrated here, or at least I hope, you know, this is something that people caught on to, you know, when you're, ta- uh, when you're, when you're engaging in those relationships where you're building that trust. Um, essentially, it's you taking care of your employees. Your employees then uh, feel valued. They feel appreciated. And that will reflect how your customers respond to your business. Um, you even mentioned how your customers in the Philippines responded to the business when the typhoon hit. And that's just one small example. Uh, lastly, just um, having this ability to be able to pivot, not just when tragedy happens, um, but in uh, learning how to pivot when it comes to your employees facing different ethical dilemmas um, or engaging in certain situations that may be new. And then lastly, it's just, you know, taking every moment um, and every situation uh, individually, um, not necessarily putting everything in one big basket and saying, hey, if I handled the situation in this way, I, I need to handle it the same way in this in this particular situation. No, each in each situation is different. We have to adapt to every single moment. So um, with that, again, I thank you so much for having me. I definitely appreciate it. It's been an honor that we can have this discussion. Hopefully this discussion resonates with uh, some of your audience. And um, yeah, I'm here to provide service as always. And you can find, once again, there's a link to Dell's stuff in the in the show notes. Uh, with that, I mean, a couple of things. You know, we came into this episode that you always never know which direction these episodes are going to go because, you know, we have a conversational format and we, um, you know, we, we pivoted a little bit with that and kind of, you know, trended towards the talking about, you know, the culture of honesty and, and making your workplace an open forum for discussion. And I think that that's an important thing. Um, and that starts from the top down. Um, that is a form of professional development training in many ways. There's a lot to be said about that. I think that, um, the things that, you know, if you want to be a leader, uh, if you're trying to build a business, your goal should be to build something bigger than you. And that means you have to do it with other people involved because all you can do is all you can do, which means that if things start going really well, then your business might start growing really quickly, which means you have to have some understanding of building a healthy culture. Um, however that is. And the, and the thing is, is if you don't do that, you're going to end up with a place that everyone doesn't want to work at and want, wants to quit. Um, you know, really in the end, a company's most valuable assets are the people that work at the company. And um, if, if you don't look at it that way, I mean, these aren't cogs and gears in a machine. You, and I see so many people treat their employees and everything like that. 
Um, that's not the way it works, folks. That's not how you get people to stick around. Now, you know, there's a, there's a healthy balance that you can, you know, I, I have found that if you're open with the, with the people that work at your organization and you talk to them about whether you're winning or losing or where that's at, and you're realistic and open about it, that they, the, the people that work there understand, you know, like sometimes you do have to say, we can't give you everything right now because we can't afford to give you everything right now. Now, you know, at the same time, it's like also not, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. You got, you got to find that balance wherever you're at and with whatever you do, that's going to be a little different. And I think the last thing I wanted to kind of suggest is, you know, so I mentioned my book balance me, uh, it's a dollar 99 on Amazon Kindle. That's as cheap as Amazon will let me sell it. They won't let me give it away all the time. Uh, but with that, if you, if you grab a copy of that, there, there's a chapter in there about personality styles. I think one of the greatest things that I've done for my own professional development is study and understand personality styles, mainly how knowing what personality style you have and how that interacts with other people. Cause that's the transactional nature of that. If you speak the language that other people are most receptive to listening to, you're going to get heard a lot more and you're going to get, you're going to just move things forward a lot. If you think it's other, if you think it's everyone else's job to adapt to you, you're wrong. Uh, so you got to have an understanding about how that goes. And I'm telling you the, the, the greatest results that, you're going to find are when you improve that level of communication. And the way to do that is once again, know yourself and know how other, the best way to, to react to others is. And yeah, overall, this was a fun conversation. So uh, I, I, maybe we'll have it again down the road. Thanks for joining me, Dale. Yeah, I would love to have this conversation. There's a lot more to it when you talk about organization behavior, ethical decision-making, um, it's, it, you know, it's a lot more to us. I, I truly do hope we continue this conversation again, um, you know, to help people um, build stronger leaders within their organizations and even build stronger leaders within their households, because that's important as well. So thank you. See you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.